Hey, everybody. I'm entertainment journalist Drew Taylor. And I'm filmmaker Charles Hood. And we host Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. But right now, we're about to launch our first ever universe-expanding miniseries. That's right. Get ready for Light the Fuse presents The Directors. We'll speak to filmmakers who have made iconic Paramount movies and get them to open up in a way that only we can. That's right. Listen to Light the Fuse presents The Directors wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But Joe, on the first one, he's like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come and just see how it goes. So he sat there. <laughs> kind of a snub. No, no, he just sort of wanted to make sure. Uh-huh. And the second one, he had such a great time. He's like, I'm going to come in for another one. And about, what were you, about 15 episodes in, I was like, uh-huh. you need to stop saying hosted by Josh Olson because right. it is both of us. Sure. But um, I think he's happiest letting me, you know, do the dirty work. And he can just fire from the grass and no. Exactly, basically. Right. So all I'm going to say is like the one, the, the thing we're missing aside from right. his lovely presence is is Joe has seen every movie ever made. Right. It's too bad he couldn't call in or something. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is, it is a shame. And he um, is sorry not to be here. Yeah, but, too. I'm um, a fan. Uh, well, tell him I'm a fan. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> well, he'll, he'll hear it. But, uh, but thank you. And, and now, but so now there is a chance that at least the person you're talking to might not have seen every movie you uh you're quite watching. all right but a lot I, of my you, model my movies i have so many when do you want to start like should, are, are we starting now <laughs> oh or? we've been talking oh so this is part of the podcast right <laughs> it is, is this it is it? now oh yeah. i don't know this is I mean, the part where you're you know bad mouthing the people you're working with now we cut but yeah okay awesome but let me let me do uh 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 i like to do i, I don't like to do we we actually have this ongoing thing where i'm like we shouldn't even say who's on because you know how podcasts want. work it's like you know who the you guest make it, is because you make it your own it. thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, um, but, and let me run through just so I know. But I, I just, first of all, I'm a huge fan. Oh, thank you. And, and I don't know if you tell me I shouldn't say this on the air, I will, but like, I, you should be hosting a fucking daily show. Oh, I it appreciate makes that, me, It makes Very me insane. Kind. And I love the nightly show. Yeah. Um, but I get, I have so many fans from that show. People, I get, uh, shocking. <laughs> I know. But almost every day on Twitter, it, certainly for the last, for the first two years afterwards, almost every single day, somebody said, Larry, I missed the nightly show. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah, no, that day. was, that yeah. was, it was, it, it's funny how, because it was like, all right, it's half an hour later, it's a different name. And sure. I love that show. Yeah. Um, that was terrific. That was so Oh, thanks. Sorry. We had a lot of fun doing it. Clearly, clearly. I think that's, <laughs> but, but that, that's such a, uh, I think that's essential, obviously, right? Yeah. I mean. Oh, you have it, to. It, it, it oh, you'll go crazy. You yeah. already will go crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, if, and your audience can tell, I suspect. I feel like I can usually tell when someone's not yeah. enjoying their work. <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah. Nobody but, wants but to let, let me Let me just run through a few. The creator of the Bernie Mac show. Mm. Uh, oh, that's a senior black correspondent that's on the Daily right. Show. senior black. Host black. of the Nightly Show. Uh, co-creator of Insecure on HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we can plug. It's a rival podcast. Make sure you listen to all of ours before you listen to this black on the air thing. I don't, I don't know, know what that is. So. Uh, but first and foremost, I do want to say <laughs> um, it was your work as terrorist number three. 
Oh. On Sledgehammer. Wow. Uh, created by my friend Alan Spencer. And then, wow. That is really. Because <laughs> really everything else pales in comparison to Absolutely. Your... <laughs> Humble beginnings, man. Of course, that was after Officer Ziakis on the Facts of Life. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I. I yes. <laughs> Not my. I, you know, show, yeah, that was about little girls. Nice. Sledgehammer's a thing with guns. Um, uh, so, Sledgehammer, but, so ahead of its time and of yeah. its time at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, absolutely. Um, I've, I've done Al for a long time. Got to, uh, in fact, I, I met you briefly during the strike through him. Um, yeah. but easily one of the funniest human beings oh, completely. alive. Yeah. yeah. And just, uh, if you're not following Alan Spencer on Twitter, you should just, cause just every now and then a little, yeah. little bumbo pops up and you just die. He's always it. been like that. We went to high school together. He's always had oh, a that's br- right. yes, he did, yeah. brilliant comic mind. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, my, most of my days were spent hoping I could make him laugh <laughs> yeah. and feeling good when you did. It's like, woo, right? I made Alan laugh. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Um, no, he's, he is the best. And I should, I should have said this off the air. If you see me doing this. It's, yeah. Playing with I'm, your phone. I'm, yeah. I'm probably just bored and texting. My, oh, my no wife. problem. Not um, at all. I do it all the time. No, I'm actually probably looking something up so I can sound smarter than I am. Got it. But uh, Larry, thank yes. you so Thanks for having me, very much for coming. I'm very happy um, to be here. So Joe is very sorry you couldn't be here. Last minute they came up. Uh, sorry uh, to miss you, Joe. I'm but, a big fan, man. And, and, and he of you. Um, but, uh, you wanted to talk about, I loved your idea. Why don't you tell? Oh, sure. Well, I, there, I realized, uh, well, when I, when you first asked me about this, I thought, oh, wow, what a great name for a podcast. That sounds like fun. You know, you just sit and talk about movies you love. I do this with my friends anyway. Exactly. You know? <laughs> As you said. And, uh, and we then. beer. We should have beer for the guests. Yeah, sure. Yes, I can just. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, when you mentioned, uh put it into categories or people did this. I was like, mm, that's tough. I love so many movies, right. you know, I like, I don't even know where to start. So I thought, okay, well, why don't I do this? Why don't I make like Larry Wilmore double headers, you know, yeah. and link the movies for thematically from my own point of view, not necessarily that they're linked that way, but this right. is how I link them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some because of what I like about them, some because of the movies themselves or whatever. And so that way I, I can, you know, depending on how much time you have, I'm able to talk about a lot of movies in a short amount of time, you know, which could be fun rather than talking about a couple of movies at length. Cause I'm not like a, you know, I'm not a movie reviewer, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, look, that that is the whole thing. And we find sometimes (laughs) when we go to yes, they're, they're like, especially, especially because of Joe, you know, they're a little intimidated. It's like, no, man, the idea is not to come in and, and, and dazzle us with, you know, bullshit about how you're supposed to talk about movies. Like, how do you think about this stuff? Sure. Cause you're a guy who creates stuff that, you know, we're fans of. There's a creative process. It's what's going on in your head when you're watching a movie sure. is unique to you. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'll say it's like, it's an interesting way of getting around to right. talking to our guests about who they are without asking the same dopey questions they always get. And what's interesting, a lot of them are, of course, from, you know, childhood or from early part of my life, but there are a couple that are more contemporary. That's cool. Cause movies continue to like move me and affect me and that's good affect the way that i think and create and all that stuff you know i love being um surprised by movies the the one i'm pushing now is 1917 you know i'm like guys this movie this is great cinema you know to to watch someone pull this off on screen the way sam mendes did i'm just like 
Yes, yes, yes. Fantastic. Give me more of that, please. You I'm, know. I'm actually, yeah, and uh, um, no, that was wait, terrible. I, I saw it. I saw it in a screening early on, and I was like, I can't wait for the Universal theme park ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put, put your or, head into the dead jar. Or wait till 1918 comes out. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, then you that's, got something, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not too, yeah, that's the only thing you do as a sequel, yeah. right? By 1921, it's like, you know what? They're just repeating the same thing over and over. <laughs> oh, by 1921, yeah. they're just sitting around at home waiting for the next one. What is this jazz music? <laughs> What's going on here? They don't go anywhere. <laughs> I have a feeling this is going to end poorly at the end of this. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, you can imagine the entire series. Of, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'll, I'll take your, I'll follow your lead. But no, go. Why don't you just just start somewhere and okay? So yeah, give me give me a double feature. Okay, however, so however I'll, you've arranged them, whatever. Sure, exactly. I just kind of put them in order here. Like I said, there's so many, and uh, you can tell me to shut up at any time. <laughs> so. Uh, one of the first comedies I saw on the big screen uh, when I was a kid, my dad uh, took us to see it, and they were having there were the Marx Brothers were having a revival, you yeah, know. And, yes, and I never seen the Marx Brothers this on the is big like screen. Early seventies, probably. Or? Early, early seventies, yeah. like seventy one or something like that. And it was Animal Crackers, Duck Soup, and it was playing with My Little Chickadee with W. C. Fields. Oh wow! And I was like, oh my god! I understood why this was so funny. Like for the first time, I got it what film comedy really is when, when you hear that audience laughing crowd, yeah. in all the right places. And Animal Crackers was the one that caught my imagination more than anything because mm -hmm. it was the Marx Brothers at their pure Marxian. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not their best film. You know, some people say it's probably Duck Super Night at the Opera. You know, it's, it's up there though. It's, it's but, but it's catching them at, I think, at their best. You yeah. know, they had done this on stage as George's Kaufman wrote it. Um, and, uh, it's Groucho at his groucho -iest, Chico at his chico -iest, yep. <laughs> you know, Harpo. It's all four Marx Brothers just being the Marx Brothers in the best way possible. I remember I was having surgery when I was in high school. This years later. And I used to have a little tape recorder, and I would record TV shows. This is before mm -hmm. VCRs and stuff, and I would just listen to them. Right. And I remember I had the whole movie memorized, and I remember I was going to surgery, and I'm, and I'm going out, and I'm doing all the dialogue from Animal Fantastic. Crackers as I'm going out. As like, it's a safety. Oh, hang on, Larry. Hang on. Wait, Animal Crackers will save you, you know? But uh, it was, it's how I fell in love with the Marx Brothers was through Animal Crackers. So and it has some of the most classic lines, you know, from Groucho and uh, and Chico, all the lines remember, you know, yesterday I shot an elephant in my pajamas. How he got, got my, my pajamas, pajamas, I don't I'll know. Never know. Yes. And then we tried to move the test. The test. You try that, it's very hard. Of course, in Alabama, the Tuscaloosa, but that's entirely irrelevant to what <laughs> oh, I was geez. trying to say. You know, and he would just go on and on in circles, <laughs> yep. you know. And uh, so the Animal Crackers is uh, the first comedy that I fell in love with on the big screen. Oh, I think my first Marx Brothers was... Uh, it was. I had a memorable experience at night at the opera because I ended up yeah. going to the hospital for what they thought was appendicitis that night, and yeah. they finally figured out it was simply I had laughed so hard I had yes. I had bruised my stomach muscles, right? And and that only could happen with the Marx Brothers. So yeah, and Groucho, yeah. I mean, he really had these long stretches, and he would just went after Margaret Dumas. Yeah. It was so amazing. He says, "Welcome, I'd like to welcome you to my poor home." So, oh, it isn't so bad. You know this? Wait a minute, I think you're right. It is pretty bad. As a matter of fact, it's one of the frowsiest looking joints I've ever seen. Where'd you get your wallpaper? You're letting this place run down, and what's the result? You're not getting the class of people that you used to. Why are you getting people in here now that look like you? I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll put up a sign under new management. We'll set up a seventy-five cent meal that'll knock their eyes out. After we knock their eyes out, we can charge them anything. We want to now sign right here, Madame, and give me your check for fifteen hundred dollars. And with this insurance policy, you afford it for your young ones and for your old age, which would be here in a couple of weeks now. If I'm any judge of horseflesh, 
Now it's time to lower set to speak. And she's like, cut this phone. She's finally, she finally interrupts it. And I'm like, and my brain is saying, what did I just watch? What was he saying? You know? So to, it was just, there was just nothing funnier. So Animal yeah. Crackers, there you go. Yeah. No, I, yes. Yeah, he was a god. Have you ever, have you ever read, um, Harpo's book? Of course. Oh, okay. Harpo I, I don't speaks. Know how they, yes. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. That, that is one of my favorite all-time Hollywood memoirs. Yes. And um, Bill Marks, who was Harpo's son, right. I, I met once years ago. And um, I would see him at certain things around town. There was this guy who did a night with Groucho or something. I can't remember yeah, who it was. Yeah. And Bill Marks was there. Got to talk to him. It was it was cool. He had kind of the link to the market yeah. or whatever. Yep. I think he wrote a book too. I can't remember. I think he did. Yes, about his dad. And Groucho's son wrote one called "Son of Groucho," yeah. you know, which you know had some interesting things. I am sure. Yeah, Harpo apparently was just the nicest one. Out of well, all. yeah, and he knew everybody. Yeah, I guess there was that. I don't know. There's one of the story I just always love. There's a story like him and a buddy they haven't seen is at Kaufman in years, yeah. and they fly all the way to like. New York and some island off the yeah. coast and their friends are playing croquet and Harpo and his buddy decided it'll be a big joke. They haven't seen this guy in a year. They, they sneak onto his Island. They take off all their clothes. Yeah. They wait for them to get near them on the croquet field. They jump out naked and go boo, <laughs> run back to the boat, take the boat back to the mainland, get on an airplane and fly back to California. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they liked, they liked uh, surprising people naked. They did yes. that. They did that to Irving Thalberg, actually, when he uh, was late for a meeting. So they took off all their clothes and I think they're roasting marshmallows in his office or something like that. Naked. You know, that was the last time he yeah. uh, Could you imagine up. doing that today? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey Bob, hey, Bob Iger's late. Okay, I'll show you, Bob Iger. I'm just going to take my pants off and sit right on this desk over here. I don't think, I don't think that's the definition of Disney+. Plus. Yeah, yeah. Hey, remember Larry Wilmore? Yeah. Was, oh, yeah, the guy who, uh, yeah, he, used to be, he was great. He was awesome. What happened to him? Man? He's in showbiz gulag. <laughs> so my doubleheader with Animal Crackers is A Hard Day's Night. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Now, that's, what, that's a beautiful... Now, A Hard Day's Night, I've... You know, grew up with the Beatles around me, but didn't really listen to the Beatles that much. You know, my parents were into soul music. You know, I heard my father had a huge collection of 45s and he was into jazz and that sort of thing. You know, you hear the pop music around you, but yeah. it didn't mean anything to me as a kid. When John Lennon passed away, though, I remember my brother had a tape of the Beatles live at the Hollywood Bowl. <clears throat> and I listened to it and hearing the audience you know, just go crazy. And I was like, oh man. And it just brought me back. And it, I remembered, you know, how big they were, but I, it didn't dawn on me how big they actually really were. Yeah. And I was captivated. And so I decided to do a deep dive and I went album by album and listened to the Beatles, you know, and I instantly fell in love. I became like the biggest Beatles fan, you know, that was great. ever, you know, and um, then I got to see Hard Day's Night on the big screen once again. How, how old are you? This is in my 20s? 20, oh, wow. In my okay. early 20s, right. yeah, when yeah. I saw Hard Day's Night. Um, but I was into the music, into the Beatles then, yeah. you know, and saw it on the big screen. And I was like, like the Marx Brothers, it's just the Beatles being the Beatles. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not, there's no plot or anything, you know, Stick Lester doing kind of a fake documentary yeah. type of thing. You know, they're at their most charming. They're at their most Beatle-y, yep. <laughs> you know. Um, and it's still, it holds up today. You watch a hard day's night. It still has its charm and hasn't lost any of it. It sounds it's got amazing energy. It's too. just, it's fantastic, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, um, 
So there you go. Hard design. Could you imagine somebody walking in? And they were called the Marx Brothers in one of the reviews, actually. Oh, were they really? That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. I'm just thinking of like somebody actually seeing a double feature of those two movies who was not familiar with either of them. Yes, exactly. How that would, just as you take in the Marx Brothers, now you get the Beatles. (laughs) I know. So interesting. Okay, so my second double feature. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay, so you know I'm into political stuff. So one of my early influences was the Manchurian Candidate. Okay. Uh, now I saw Demi this film. Yeah, <laughs> well, this is a, a John Frankheimer, mm-hmm. um, and the movie was fascinating to me because it was this mix of media, mixing television and film and looks, and this conspiracy about brainwashing and the Cold War and Angela Lansbury in a haunting role where she plays Lawrence Harvey's mom, and she was only like a few years older than him or yeah, something, like you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, and this whole thing about brainwashing and you know. You don't think what they set up is going to happen, that this assassination, you don't think it's going to happen. And then when it does, and the way it explodes on screen, and all it's just black and white glory, it's just, oh, it's just interesting to me. And what it said about um, uh, politics and, you know, it had so many comments that were so ahead of its time, such a smart film. Um, And Frank Sinatra pulled the film after the Kennedy assassination because he was you know, one of the producers of it. And it didn't resurface till I saw it like 20 something years later. Yeah. You yeah know, I remember when it came back. back. Yeah. You, you'd heard about this film. That's right? when I saw it. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh my God, <clears throat> this is amazing. Yeah. You know? um, He's so good in it too. It's Sinatra. It's, yeah. Low key underrated actor, yeah. you know, from here to eternity. Of course he won the Oscar for mentoring candidate really understated performance, yeah. but was really, really good in that, you know, um, he held that movie together, you know, yeah. his uh, his determination in there and everything. There's yeah. a funny thing in that yeah. film, and I love it. He took it seriously, it is, yeah. There's that moment, Joe and I have talked about it a little bit in the past, the, mm-hmm. the moment on the train when he's sitting there having the sweats, yeah. trying to light a cigarette. He's sitting in a corner, sure. sweating and shaking and not able to light a cigarette. Right, right. And Janet Leigh, across the right. train, she was awesome. looks at him and goes, ooh, I must have that. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> very Which, bizarre kind of. But you of. buy it, kind of. Yeah, they almost. do this pickup scene. That's a very bizarre pickup <laughs> yeah. scene. You know, um, and uh, yeah, and that. But that's about star power to some extent. Yes, exactly. You know, Sinatra made that movie happen, of course. Yeah. Lawrence Harvey, I never knew what to do with Lawrence Harvey. He was one of those actors. He, I don't think he let you like him for whatever yeah. reason. Which is why he's so good. Which And he yeah, didn't absolutely. seem to care, yeah. too, you know. Yeah. Which is interesting, but the the haunting of Angela Lansbury in that I'll never forget, you know, and the Queen of Hearts and all that kind of stuff, you know. But the it was such a smart film about politics and the different sides and everything. Yeah. It's one of the first films that I knew what's that they were taking sides, right versus yeah. left, and that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. and commenting on them. Exactly. Serious not afraid not to take those sides too, yep. because remember they were just out of the blacklist at that yeah. time, McCarthy era and all this stuff, and they were commenting on that. 1962. Yeah. It's pretty brave. You yeah. know? I don't think Trumbull had come out of hiding yet. I think he wrote Spartacus, you know, in the dark or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Yep. That's that point all so I pair that up with the Parallax View. Oh, well, okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is the other conspiracy movie. That one ends with an assassination. The Parallax View starts with an assassination, mm-hmm. you know. And this is what's interesting about the Parallax View. It takes us into the world of conspiracy itself. You know, and this is for anybody that's ever thought the JFK assassination or all these things are conspiracies and what goes behind them. You know, this was one of those movies that, again, was lost for a while, like Manchurian Candidate, wasn't around for a while, and then it resurfaced. And I was like, 
what was you know at that time i was like i was inviting conspiracies let's say you know i'm like why was this film away for so long but who know but to me it's another one of those low-key great warren Beatty performances where he's so naturalistic in it that's what i love about it they have this fight scene where he punches the guy and immediately goes ah yeah like he hurts his hand which is really what would happen in something like that you know but you know to see him go find out uh, the small company that supposedly is doing something and he goes to this indoctrination and all that kind of stuff. Real interesting. It was the, I thought it was the most intelligent take on that type of sub- subject in that real 70s low-key, yeah. you know, kind of a naturalistic um, vein that the 70s movies were. And Paul Prentice, yep. fantastic in a role that was very small. Yeah. Fantastic in that role. I mean, when she, that scene with her and Warren Beatty, she breaks my heart in it. And it almost looks like an actor not listening to the other actor. Like, because I've been in many acting classes. It almost looks like she's saying, stop it. You fucking listen to me. Like, she almost says it like that. And he goes, oh, shit, I guess I'm not listening to you. That's what it almost plays like. Right. But, you know, to, yeah, their credits. So, anyhow. I, I watched that. I don't know. The, the thing that stuck out to me the last time I saw it, because obviously it's a great film, is this moment and I've seen it many times over the years, but somehow it just yeah. jumped out. So there's a scene where Beatty's following a guy into an airport. Sure. And then they cut and he's getting on the airplane. Yes. And, you know, they don't- He pays you. for the flight on the, on the well, plane. Well, I was saying, you're like, <laughs> obviously they cut the part where he bought the ticket. Yes, and then the yes, stewardess walks yes. out and goes, where are you going? Yes, he goes, Baltimore. Yes. And he hands her 30 bucks and she hands yeah. him a ticket. That'd be 42, and he just walked 35. on the plane. Yes. <laughs> Shows you what security was like. Yeah, not too hard to get a bomb in that plane, I guess. You know, like why were they shocked somebody was able to yeah. get a bomb on her? It's crazy. And now they got to take your shoes off. Yeah, so. it was very interesting. I love watching movies where you see what things were like at yeah. that time. Yep. You know, movies that give you kind of a a, a view on times because it's so much fun learning about. There's so many things that I think are lost in time because only the big things are preserved. Yeah, and you lose like little things that a saying people might've been doing, or, you know, sometimes I'll search for old movies and I'll look on the walls of what the art directors put on it sometimes. Yeah. Like what people chose to, yeah. What what little knickknacks they chose to have those types of, because those things are lost. No, exactly. And and when you're saying that, I'm thinking like, it's really fascinating too, to look at stuff, you know, I was a child when Parallax came out, but I was alive. Yeah. Obviously my parents took me on a plane. Mm -hmm as a child where they bought a ticket on the plane. I don't remember yeah. that at all. It's that's the weird part. When you see stuff from a time yes. where you existed right. and it feels that alien. <laughs> and Paradox View had a comment on America that was kind of similar to Manchurian Kennedy, but yeah. done in a very artistic way with yeah. the whole a uh, collage film that they showed. Yeah, that you thing's know, amazing. Very, yeah, it's very, very interesting. So there's a, right, there you go. Double feature. Double yes. feature. So right. far I'm in for all of these. Yeah. All right. This one is going to be a little uh, bizarre. This, even better. this would never be a double feature, but it's my double feature. Okay. <laughs> Starts with one of my all-time favorites, Singing in the Rain. Okay. Okay. Might surprise some people why it's one of my favorites, but there's something about Gene Kelly singing that song, and even when I say it right now, it just does something to me. It just transports me. It's comfort food. It's hope and melancholy all in the same thing. Every verse is that, hope and melancholy at the same time, you know. Um, um, Make them laugh, you know, the Donald O'Connor song. You know, fantastic. I like that it's about showbiz, you yeah. know, that it looks back at the sound and all that stuff. They're funny. It makes so, me laugh. I mean, Debbie Reynolds at her best. They're all magic. You know, I mean, they're so far beyond. It's true movie magic. You yeah. know? And I'm not a big musicals fan. I do like musicals, but something about singing in the rain 
whenever it's on TV and it's that song, it's I picked this out because the song itself just does something to me. And when I see Gene Kelly do that, and it's not that Gene Kelly was the best singer or something. You know, he had a hundred three degree fever when he did that. I wow, really? yeah, he was really sick when he did oh that, and so maybe that was it. But there's something about the timber of his voice that yeah. gets me. Yeah, I'm like, wow, what the fuck is going on here? It doesn't have that. It's not one of my. I wouldn't pick it out. But that is the thing that does it for me. Whenever they show it in collages, I go, there it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's a, it's it's a lovely classic. film. It's a great time. Is your is your without does your other film feature that song? Yes. And it is A Clockwork Orange. Once again, it features and does singing the song in the, have the rain. same effect on you? It has a different effect. I would hope so. But I find the use of the song as yeah. fascinating as the use of the song in Singing in the Rain. Clockwork okay. Orange, which is Kubrick's uh, dystopian masterpiece about the future based on on the uh, Anthony Burgess novel, which if if you read the Anthony Burgess novel out there, if you guys haven't read it, you should really read it if you're a fan of the movie. It's really fascinating. It goes into detail about the Droogs and all that kind of stuff. On the language in it. Yeah, the language is the best. By the end of it, you almost speak. Yes. Vidi well, little brother, vidi well. (laughs) Oh, me Droogs. So Gene Kelly singing, singing in the rain. And now Malcolm McDowell singing, singing in the rain. You know, point counter fucking point <laughs> <laughs> you know i, I mean I, can the, you get farther yes so imagine me loving singing in the rain and singing clockwork orange yeah and not knowing that that's not coming. knowing that's coming yes uh, and now it's like can uh, i even like this song anymore <laughs> you know it's like what am i gonna do with this thank you kubrick <laughs> now the movie of course clockwork orange i love it for many different reasons you know love but Oh, absolutely. It's okay. it's in my top it's in my top ten of all time favorites because it dares to be exactly what it is. Oh no, for sure. It's, I mean I, I it's brutal in ways that movies can't be brutal anymore. And that it's is true. It's um and by brutal I mean the honesty of its approach yeah. and what it's doing. And Kubrick had a brutality about his storytelling, you know, that was very interesting. You know, I have a couple of his films on my list, you know, for obvious reasons. But, uh, and in, in fact, he even had a brutality in the way that he shot. He'd do like 60 takes, yeah. you know, so many takes, yeah. he would crush people, you know. Um, but I mean, pl- no, I, I'm, I'm with you in that uh, uh, it's a film I go back to. It's a film I, I just, I just have a, it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if I have the, 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 the wherewithal to say I love it and it's a favorite. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it feels sort of, I have, but it's, you know, I've watched it a lot more than a lot of movies no, I like a when, lot. It got me when I saw it. it I knew I was going to be stuck with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, and I, mm-hmm. I love that. I, I mm-hmm. love stuff that um, there's no safe space to hide in that film. There's right. nowhere to go where you can go, I'm better than this. Well, and the movie's about something too. I mean, yeah. a movie about evil. Yeah. You know, and what do you do with evil? I mean, really, honestly, what do you do with it? And is it up to us to try to change that? And can you? <laughs> you know, and who wins? And then the whole <laughs> question know? of like is sustain you know, now yes. there's a systemic evil and there's yes. this individual evil and government, all this, but also who wins? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. It's like is a blow at the end too, you know, yeah. and all that, which is kind of fascinating. And you be you root for him in the way that we root for Tony Soprano too. So, yeah. so what are, what are we really watching here? Well, that's a great you know? comparison. I'm yeah. actually weirdly, um, uh, my wife and I are going back and rewatching Sopranos, yeah. which I have not done in a long time. And, right. And brutal. It, it, but in, in much the so same way. Tony Sopranos is brutal. Well, the great thing about yeah. it is that they fuck with you. They know what they're doing. Yeah. They'll go episode after episode and you'll be like, oh, I'm, I'm rooting, you're rooting for, oh, he's a good, he's trying, he's trying. And then they'll show you Tony doing something so fucking right. horrible. And it's done in a way that implicates you. Yes. 
which you know, kind of Clockwork Orange sort of does the same does. thing. I mean, these are these are movies and TV shows that that make you engage and make you be responsible. You you signed up to which, watch it, yeah, yeah, which <laughs> I love. But I also love the fact that it works for people who don't get that at all. There's all yes, like, hey, I love he popped that guy, he shot him. I know. It's like that's all right. That's, a, by the way, that's where the money is. You're absolutely right. No, <laughs> that is one of the wisest things I've ever heard. Exactly. You are absolutely right. <laughs> You know, for me, I'm loving it on a whole nother level, right. you know, but I get it. If it doesn't have the, yeah, I like when he, when they showed those tits yeah. on that girl, she came exactly. out. Exactly. Well, I remember right, seeing uh, mm-hmm. Unforgiven in theaters and when they shoot the guy in the outhouse, mm-hmm. there were like two guys behind me who were like, fuck you!" Yeah! And you're like, yeah, oh, you idiots. And I saw it again yeah. a couple weeks later and same scene, a couple guys like, fuck yeah. And I remember going, yeah. This is why this movie's going to be a hit. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, you need that. Movies yeah. have to connect. Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. have to worry. It doesn't, we, you don't have to get every level of it. Something for everybody. It's something for everyone. That's yeah. what makes the great movies great. Right? <laughs> I like yeah. seeing people shot in the bathroom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my next doubleheader are two escape, escape movies that ah, I like to call. Okay. First one. Um, this had another effect to me. I once again saw this as a child. One of the... Another one of the first movies I saw on the big screen, Planet of the Apes. Uh, um, Planet of the Apes, I'd never seen anything like that. Couldn't yeah. believe what it was. Of course, it's a morality tale, yeah. you know. And, you know, people have seen it right now, so it's not spoilers or anything. But the fact that they're actually on Earth, yeah, you know, I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I was crushed by it. Me, the young Larry, of course, saw race all in it as well. I'm like, how come the light skinned uh, apes you know, are better than the dark skinned apes? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this type of thing. You know, and well, they're it weird too when you get yeah. into like uh, conquest where they are using it to make yes, it kind of exactly. And they're on the right side of the thing, but they're still using monkeys to be the it's right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and my brother, we noticed the darker they were, the more militant they were, and yeah. everything too, which was kind of interesting. So we do, had. Do you know about know. the? You must know about the 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 dining. No, 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 no. So I think actually our Alan Spencer is the first guy who told me about this when they were making. Oh, the Alan film. knows everything about. Planet yeah, oh, no, he's a huge yeah. fan. Yeah. But when they were making the film, they found over the course of time, you know, normally it's like your your stars would eat together and your right. extras would eat together. They found out that over time chimpanzees would eat with the other chimpanzees oh, the orangutans would eat with the orangutans <laughs> regardless of like you know their name man is evil capable of nothing but destruction <laughs> dr zeus <laughs> great character so you know a movie about uh you know people that escape earth only to find themselves back on Earth. yeah right yeah. um so i pair that with another uh escape movie which is one of my favorites when I saw it and really affected me profoundly was Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which to me is Spielberg's purest movie. Yeah. You know, he he kind of sketched it out when he was a kid. He was a teenager, I think. And it was something that he was mulling for a long time. It's his most original film, I think. You know, um, you could say at his most Spielbergian, but he hadn't done E.T. yet. (laughs) You know, So not he hadn't quite reached those heights. People thought he might have been a one-hit wonder with Jaws during this time. It's a huge risk to do. Close Encounters. But to me, Close Encounters was such an unusual film because now here was a movie where, you know, we have people visiting Earth and a man who has a family has kids. He escapes from Earth. He leaves Earth. It doesn't make sense. No, 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 no. No. I don't by the way, I don't think Spielberg writes that ending today. Yeah. Yeah. And and what's interesting, as a young man, I had no problem with it. But as a grown man, I have a huge problem with yeah, it. Yeah, no, I mean, now you that you're I mean? asking me to think about it, I'm I'm there. It's, no, and I'm, I'm, look at my head. No, nope. yeah. <laughs> nope. Does it make sense? 
But uh, you, you have kids. Yes. Oh, so Larry's kids. He is shaking now, his head I might now. Send, he, I might send my kids <laughs> off. And, <laughs> sometimes you feel that way. No, that's fine. I've not seen but it in a long time. to leave your small, this man loved his family. But this movie is fascinating because you see the evolution of this individual that is compelled to do something that he doesn't even know that he has to do. Yeah. You know, and he's on this journey and he has, there's this escape hatch that is there for him to leave. Yeah. And he doesn't know it's there and he has to go do it. And he doesn't know why. And he's, and he's, heartbroken about it as well he's heartbroken about it when he's building the um thing in his room he's not he's not frustrated he's heartbroken and those yeah. are two different emotions yeah. you know and i don't think if you talk to dreyfus i don't think he would have suggested it was that when he was doing the scene you know but that's how it comes across mm -hmm. you know and if you look at what the arc of this character is you know this man's gonna leave yeah that's, I mean, that's what happens. He's getting ready to You go can't just say done, he yeah. tacked that on. No, yeah. motherfucker. That's the end of that's the movie. That's where the movie is going. Yes. <clears throat> it's not, okay, they land. Dun, 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 dun. We communicated. Yay, movie's over. No. I the end of the movie is he leaves, and he leaves everybody. Yeah. That, that to me, is like nobody talks about that ending. People are like, well, we, they did the alternate one. We could see the inside of the ship. Fuck no, the inside of the it. ship. He's on it. <laughs> He's on it. <laughs> that's what the ending is. That's, I, yeah, I've not, you know, again, have not seen yes. many, but it, it never occurred to me as I, as I watched it or saw it again. But yeah, and when you say that, it's one of those, yeah. the, I don't know, does it ruin the film? I don't know if it ruins no, it. But it's a <laughs> fascinating, two fascinating movies about escape. Yeah. You know? But yeah. it is an interesting, I don't know, I'm fascinated by stuff like that where, you know, there's yeah. just, you you see a thing in a movie and now you can't see it yeah. the same way again. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's funny when you look at it a certain it's, way. It's, uh, I don't know, mine, mine, completely different, but the Stepford Wives always drives me. Because, <laughs> yeah. we, we talked about this, and we were, but the whole, the premise being, uh, we, we build these robots, mm -hmm. they are perfect replicas of, of humans, we can make one look like, mm -hmm. you know, an idealized version of your right. wife. She will do all the chores. Right. She will do everything you want to do. She'll cook for you. She'll take care of you. Mm -hmm. She'll perform any sexual act, no matter right. how degrading. She'll right. whatever. Well, you mad at that? Right. That's great. You're right. like, okay. And like, and to get her, you have to kill your real wife. Mm. Like, I why? They never explain why you have to. Yeah. It's it's, and I've discussed this with my wife, and she's yeah. agreed. If we could get that thing, we would get yeah. it now. It'll be fine. It'll be amazing. I'll be like, what what are we having for dinner? She's actually, like, we're, don't ask me. Ask the fucking robot. We're not too far away from that now. <laughs> yeah, actually, like, you can. But get the there. part where they have yeah, to kill there—it's like you just got the best vacuum cleaner in the world. Yeah. Oh, great! Now you have to kill. Some, why? They don't explain. Why is there murder involved? Why this? is there murder involved? I know, but everyone goes along with it. Yeah, like they had to get close encounters. Yeah, it's like oh, okay, just leave it. Why like, yeah, you gotta kill choice. your wife. Yeah. <laughs> really interesting. And you know, things are movies or whatever, you know, but that's not an arbitrary choice for me. Dreyfus getting on that ship, you know, it's, it's like, if you do that, okay. All right. You just I did that. It's, it's been so long. Where, at what point his wife and kids sort of drop out of the film about yes. halfway through. And the thing is he, he's compelled to just leave. There's nothing yeah. he can do about it. But what they did in that scene where they have her really upset at him and she leaves says, I'm leaving you. You know, and she takes the kids. Yeah. And but it's not really resolved. Yeah. It's, they're still really in the middle of a fight. And they're not it's not like they show up at the end and watch him go. No. Because that would have not at all. <laughs> and the woman that he's with, she gets reunited with her son. That's closure. That's right. That's completing yeah. the circle. Yeah. She lost him. That's that's how the normal movie would have done. Yeah. So this other thing that Spielberg puts in is I don't know what to do with that, you know, because we're why is that there? You know, I'm, I'm trying to tap yeah. into sort of my because I remember, yeah, but like I said, like, oh, I, wow. I guarantee you, I can't, can't guarantee, but if if Steven Spielberg's here right now and say, Would you write it that way today? No, absolutely I bet not. he'd say no, absolutely not, you know, because he's yeah. a father now, yeah, 
Yeah. Because yeah. that, that, that is, because there is that sense. Yeah. I remember watching it where you're like, oh, good. She got her kid back. Yeah. And oh, good. He's getting to finally go on this adventure. Right. And you know, I'm whatever, a kid when was, I'm watching the film. If it so. was just a tour of the ship, fine. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't occur to me as a, you know, whatever I was, a teenager that like, right. yeah, he's leaving anything behind that you wouldn't It's want not to. like a space Uber or something, right. you know, he's just going to take him. <laughs> it's a shortcut to his house if he gets in this big thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, it took a while to get to the mountain. I, I know. So I'm yeah. gonna, we're just going to give you the. Oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah, that's there you so go. funny. I have to watch it again and think about that some more. There you go. Okay. Next doubleheader is just, this is. This, this doubleheader is about individuals that just make me laugh. Okay. <laughs> the party. Ah. Uh, under, underrated movie, not talked about too much. It's Peter Sellers just making us laugh. Is well, it's what problematic the now, of course. Well, now it's, it's, it is problematic. Yeah. You, know, you know, he plays an Indian character and he does an accent, but he's so funny in it. Yeah. I mean, Peter, it's like they just turned the camera and said, um, Mr. Sellers, could you just make us laugh? Go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just Peter Sellers at a party. There's no plot to yeah. it. There's yeah. nothing. And, you know, he's just saying funny things, doing funny things. And I, for the, for a long time, I would tell people, you have to watch the party. It's just the funniest thing in the world, yep. you know? And it just, I would cry laughing just watching it, you know? And Peter Sellers has been many, done many funny things. But the party to me was somebody said, you know what? I think it was Blake Edwards who did, right? So, you yeah. know what? Cut them loose. We just need a movie where you're just funny. <laughs> there's, there's nothing else. You yeah. know? All this plot and all that shit, it just gets in the way. We just need you to be funny. Yep. Are you up for that? Okay. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, it's true. It's, yeah, but but yeah, yeah it is, it's that weird thing of, the, you know, it's that era where you could, you could just paint them brown and never right. do a funny accent. And mm -hmm. Everyone is fine with that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and what's weird is the film... That's the interesting. You know, as I think about it, I'm like, there's nothing about no. his character that requires no. that. No, because I could see almost. You know, we got this great script. It's about this Indian yeah. guy saying, "Look, well, you know, the only guy who could play that is Peter. Yeah. Oh, what are we going to do? I don't know. We make him Indian. They right. don't have to." Yes, and the character he was so innocent and he was trying to do the right thing, but <laughs> he was so bumbling. It was in that era of bumbling comedy, yeah. like get smart and that type of thing. You know, and uh, you know, slapstick. Slapstick in the movie is very funny. Yeah. Well, he's, yeah. I mean, though, when they were good, I don't know. I just watched it. I was really anxious about it because a lot of, a lot of comedy doesn't age well in a lot of times. Right. And, uh, uh, I have a weekly movie night, a bunch of friends. I was like, we're just going to do it. Cause it was the first movie I ever saw on my, on my own, uh, -huh. uh return of the pink Panther. Oh yeah. And oh my God. That was God, when they came back hold. in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. It holds yeah. up. We were dying. Yeah. There's some Dude. good slapstick in there. Yeah. Amazing slapstick. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, uh, I gotta see the party again. It's been a while, right. but. <laughs> Does your dog bat? <laughs> <laughs> no, my dog's not. Oh, it's just. I thought you said your dog is not bad. That is not my dog, Mister. <laughs> oh, yes, I know that. I know that. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah, Return of the Pink Panther, classic stuff in there. Cato. Yeah, uh, and Pink Panther Strikes Again. There's some thing. good stuff in that one, but it yeah. doesn't quite. Because after that, it felt like that one sort of came out of the blue. Yeah, and then it was like, now we got to make more of them. And, yeah, and they didn't quite have the. Yeah. <clears throat> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, so I pair that with yes. the um, another movie that 
it was risque at the time, you know, I guess you could say. But um, was the first concert movie that I saw, and that was Richard Pryor live in concert. Oh, wow. wow. This is a... another movie where it's just one guy <sighs> just making me laugh. Yeah. You know, it's a concert stand-up movie, but it's the best of all time. Yeah. Nothing can touch it. Yeah. And it's just Richard Pryor just being funny. Yep. You know what, Richard Pryor, we just got to put you on film, and you just got to do your shit, man. You just got to make us laugh. Yeah. I'd never seen a concert movie in the theaters before. I'm trying to think. Had there been? I don't remember one. I mean, there have been some musical concerts, but like a stand-up I comedian? I don't remember. I thought I, I think it was the first. I, you know? That feels, yeah. I, I, um, I, I, there have been many after, but yeah. I'd never seen one before. Yeah. And so to me, um, just to sit in that movie theater and laugh at Richard Pryor for an hour and a half, I mean, I couldn't breathe. You know, it was amazing to yeah. me, you know. Um, and I had an eight track of it. I remember too Fantastic. of the concert, and it was a little different than the one in the movies. They used a different performance. So oh, really? Like comparing oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Oh, especially yeah, especially if you're up yeah. and coming comic, that's got to be. Well, I didn't know I was going to be at that point, right? Even though I thought about it, but didn't know if I could. But, but that's when, it's working in your brain. Well, yeah, but I would <sighs> see that, and I go, "There's no way I could be this funny." You know, right. these guys, this guy's way too funny. Just can't, you know. Yeah. Now I'm, I gotta wish. Yeah, Joe would know. He's probably like, "There's some." Uh, well, it was a Bob Hope live in concert from 1952. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, another thing, because I, 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 you know, because uh, I, you know, I was a kid when that came out. And, you know, I'd heard, I heard the records, but there was no way I could at my age and, right. and, and various other things. You know, right. I wasn't going to be able to go see Richard Pryor perform live yeah, in me Philadelphia either. anywhere. You know, I couldn't go not, see it. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, it was, it was such a, it was an amazing opportunity. And it was Pryor at his best. Yeah. You know, it was before the fire. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, you know, he was just at it. He was never better than that. Yeah. You know, um, so Rich Pryor live in concerts where he does the thing about his dogs and and the monkeys and the heart attack, yes. you know, and he's on the ground talking about the heart attack, you know, all of this stuff. It was just the bravest thing I'd ever seen, you know. Um, so, yeah, when I think of stand up. I can't think of stand-up without, without thinking of Rich Pryor live in concert if, yeah. I'm, if I'm asked to think about what's the greatest and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. yeah. I mean, where where would that art form be? Had He and Carlin pushed it to that next level, yeah. you know, with what they did in the 70s. It really gave people permission to just be raw, you yeah. know, and not be afraid to just tackle those subjects that but he wouldn't. I mean, I love Carlin and, and, and there was the whole but but Pryor had this, he was all naked. Yeah, you know, it was Carlin thing. never told you his worst shit. No, and he told us our worst shit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, good point. Yeah, yes. yeah, and in a way, yeah. yeah, it's a great. Yes, you need them both. Yes, that's exactly right. You know, he, yeah. he commented on us. You know? Yeah, um, but prior, you know, he grew up in a brothel. His grandmother yeah. was a madam. You know, and he did a he did a concert m film that was underground called Richard Pryor Live and Smoking. Um, that he did years before, but it wasn't like this. And he talked about like giving guys blowjobs and that kind of stuff. And you could see the, uh, cause he wasn't like the big rich prior. And he's like, mm, I don't know if we want to, mm, no. and he was in a small club. It wasn't like a big country right. type of thing. It looked like he was like in the belly room of the comedy store or something huh. like that, you know? And then he's like, nope, we're not ready for this, Richard. Nope. Not sure if we're ever going to be ready for you yeah. to tell us this, you know, different generation. You know? I got. Not, I remember being so so when he when he finally made um, what was it Jojo Dancer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I don't know. I was so disappointed. It was yeah. like there was an opportunity there. I thought to, it's tough to do. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's an impossible. It's thing. hard to That's, recreate stand up yeah. in a movie. I don't know if anyone's ever really done it. I know? actually. Well, if you, I one of the things um uh, far field, but that's what we do. One of the things that that knocked me out about Dolomite 
was, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I feel like, I mean, I'd, I'd heard, uh, I'd heard that we had more stuff yeah. and, you know, like a lot of stuff, like Lenny Bruce, you listen to Lenny sure. Bruce today and you're like, no, no, he was funny. You right. have to understand that. Yes. And Eddie's doing verbatim Rudy Ray Moore bits that if I played right now would just land with a thud. And I thought right. he somehow brought him to life. Well, see, the difference is you had yeah. Dustin Hoffman trying to play Lenny Bruce, and Lenny Bruce is funnier than Dustin. Oh, well, Hoffman. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just, but you have Eddie Murphy <laughs> yes, saying Rudy Ray Moore. Eddie Rudy, Murphy yeah. is funnier than that's Rudy right. Ray <laughs> so, so that's why good we're point. laughing at Eddie doing it. And you listen to it, go, mm, I don't know if the original is yeah. all that good. <laughs> now that Eddie's done it, thanks, Eddie. Yeah. You know, just kind of the irony of those. You know, Lenny Bruce did a routine called How to, um, How to Make a Negro Feel Comfortable at a Party or something yes. like that, yeah. you know, he did on television. Um, but I feel like that stuff, like when I laugh at Lenny Bruce stuff, it's, I'm laughing because I remember it being like nine and finding those records and thinking yeah. they were hilarious then. Right. But like, I know if I play them for like a 25 year old. Because friend, it's gone so far past that. A yeah. lot of the stuff he talked about, you, they laughed because you couldn't believe he was talking about right. it. Right. You know, and since it's gone, so the shock is gone. So it has, if it's, you know, if the jokes aren't good or yeah. aren't as sophisticated as we like now, you're like, mm. which, and you know who, interestingly enough, can still make me laugh is some of the early Jerry Lewis television stuff that he oh, did really? with Dean Martin because it's just slapstick. Right. You know, and I can't believe he's being that crazy. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, this guy, he was really crazy. Like, if you look at the Texaco Star Theater and some of that stuff that they did, Jerry Lewis is out of his mind. Yeah, that helps. He's, <laughs> he's out of his mind. But it's, but it's surreal. And, but, and, it's, and it's pure funny. And you yeah. see, okay, Jim Carrey came from this. There's so many comics that came from that type of expression that, you know, we just forgot. Look, I wasn't alive then, but... He was so just pure funny, and that's all it was, just a ball of funny. And it's still funny. If you watch it, you go, you you cannot not yeah. laugh, yeah. you know? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's... All right, you ready for the next one? Sure, do the next one. Okay. Um, I got a few more. Awesome. Um, okay, these two movies, this doubleheader, you you shouldn't be watching these two movies. Okay? <laughs> either of them? You should not be watching. At all. Well, <laughs> there is a price to be paid for watching. Is one of them Human Centipede? <laughs> no, but that, but that's interesting. Okay, the first one is <laughs> that's interesting. The first one is Lolita. Okay, okay, that's an amazing film. Stanley Kubrick film, of course. Novel comes novel, and the novel, you know, it's a movie about this man who marries this woman and he's lusting after her teenage child. I think in the book she was twelve. Well, she's twelve. In the movie she's sixteen. She's sixteen, which still like, like that made a difference. Then. We're not supposed to be watching a movie about incest. Yeah. We are not supposed to be watching that, and we are not supposed to be enjoying it, and we're not supposed to be putting ourselves in James Mason's place. <laughs> we're not supposed to be doing any of those things, yet we are doing all of those things. Yes. And there's a tremendous amount of guilt when you're watching <laughs> that movie, knowing that I really shouldn't be enjoying this movie and watching it, but it's really fucking good. It's an amazing film. It's, it's an amazing film. Yeah. I mean, he really, I don't know how he got away with it. I don't know how he was able to make that movie in 1961, 62. Oh, because it would be so easy to make today. You, I don't even know if you can make it. You <laughs> can't make it today. No, you can't. You, uh, you, there's no period of time. Yeah. Maybe 1973. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With Hugh Hefner funding or something <laughs> where you can make that film. Or or when Bob Guccione made a, a Caligula. Caligula. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Where you could have made that. But other than but that. But then she'd still have to be 18. Though, yes. But the window to make that. Yeah. I can't believe that he made that movie. Yeah. And it's excellent. Yeah. Peter Sellers in another underrated role. Yeah. Oh, I, roles, him, you know? with him on the porch with James Mason Crazy. is my all-time favorite. Fantastic. Uncomfortable If scene. you guys have not seen Lolita, which if you listen to this, I'm sure you've seen all these movies. But Lolita, man. Yeah. Wow. 
and and she just passed away. Sue Lyons. Yeah, she did. Yeah, Sad. she just passed away. Um, so, and, I, and you do have, I mean, every time she showed, because she only showed up in a few films, but I always had this just every time she oh, showed up, yeah. I just go, oh. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's Lolita. Lady of the Iguana. And Love her. How great was Shelley Winters? Shelley Winters is amazing. Oh, my God. Because she's. She's just good. I don't know. I want to look up how old she was, and I'm sure she was much younger than you think she was. Completely. And she was Absolutely. not She was not at the age where an actress yeah. normally would be that comfortable yes. making herself that. Yes. It's not even that she's unattractive, because she's not. She's right. just sort of frowsy and dumpy yes. and needy, and, and right. I mean, she just goes to these incredibly bare uncomfortable Absolutely. places yeah know? she was uh dance she was not a narcissistic the cha-cha-cha dance. yeah <laughs> oh she was a bear actor yeah she was not afraid to look you know to be whatever she was yeah you know which yeah. was special about her oh she was amazing. especially in those days you know she embraced that and was great at it you know um and the other movie that you should not be watching is the elephant man wait why shouldn't you watch the elephant because he is on display once again uh, okay. So and David Lynch makes that perfectly clear. Yeah. That this man with this problem is put on display for yeah. people to, even the people that are there applauding him, mm-hmm. he's still on display. Yeah. You know? Yep. And here I am in the audience watching it, and I go, fuck. Right in the middle of that movie, I remember thinking, fuck. Fuck you, David Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'm not supposed to be watching this movie. I'm doing exactly what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Yes. That's a good point. You know, he's a spectacle. We have made a spectacle of him again, yeah. you know, and what a glorious spectacle. It's a great, it's a fantastic movie, yeah. you know, which Mel Brooks produced. A lot of people don't know yeah. Brooks films, you know, beautiful score by, by uh, John Morris. I still, when I hear Deja for strings, I, I used to cry all the time back oh. then. That movie moved me. It moved me so much when I saw that, but I had tremendous guilt. Oh, that's interesting. You know, yeah. when yeah. I realized, and I remember telling my brother at the time, I said, we're doing the same thing. Right. <laughs> you know, we're not supposed to be. Well, of course, I made a lot of jokes about it, too. You know? <laughs> Back in the day, I used to do routines about it and all that kind of stuff. We know better now. Don't get me wrong. Yes. You know? <laughs> but still, two movies that you're That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I will feel guiltier about Lolita, I guess. For different but, reasons. But no, it's a good point. Have you seen the new uh, David Lynch thing that just dropped? No. no. Uh, do you know, it, 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 on his birthday, I think it was last week, it's a short film. Uh-huh. Uh, I can't remember. Jack, somebody, and it's David Lynch playing a cop, and he's interrogating a monkey. And it's 20 minutes long. David Lynch is in it? Yeah, he's in it and he directed it. And uh, it's, it's, and it just dropped out of nowhere. What is, uh, what platform is it? It's on Netflix. Okay. Is it any good? It's, it's a David, it's, it's an amazing David, David Lynch <laughs> talks to a monkey for 20 minutes, Larry. What do you think? It's like an outtake from Blue Velvet or something. It's a talking right? monkey, yeah. too. Of course it is. It's, <laughs> I, it, it's, it's 20 minutes you'll just, yeah, want to want to repeat again, probably. Very bizarre. Although okay. my wife hated it. How so. much time do you have? As much time as you need. Okay, great. Because I have a few more, and Let's I'd love to it. go through them since yeah. I wrote them down. Fantastic. Okay, so these two movies, I can watch these two movies anytime they're on television, even though I own different versions of them. I can watch it anytime. They're two movies that have stars at the height of their powers, you know, and they're just great movies. First is The Apartment. Oh, uh, yeah. Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine are the best version of Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I'm so in love with I her. fell in love with both of them. Yeah. You know, Jack Lemmon is so endearing. He's so funny. And what's impressive about that is Billy Wilder, who's a German immigrant, able to write comedy in another language. <laughs> you know, where other people have talked about that more eloquently. I mean, and the apartment is, I think the period, I mean, Some Like It Hot, of course, is a good example, but that's, 
that's really farce. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No, Which this is, is a much more. Great. But this is sophisticated, yep. you know, and it's dark. There's, you know, suicide attempt in it, all these types of things. It's about adultery, you know, um, but Jack Lemmon's so entertaining and he just takes me on that ride. And Shirley MacLaine is so endearing, yeah. you know, and there's such an innocence about it and kind of a nastiness about it at the same time, you yeah. know. When I, it's funny, if I watch Mad Men, it makes me think of the apartment. Yeah, oh, absolutely, <laughs> you know? for sure, for sure. And, uh, How and, many movies have you seen where they just, that shot of The Office yes. is just showed up in so Crazy. many things, just all those yes. masks. And, uh, the humor still works in yeah. the apartment. Yep. It's still very funny yep. because, first of all, because of the writing, but also the performances, you yeah. know, Jack Lemmon is so funny in it, you know. Well, you know what's interesting, the, the, the sexual politics of yes. are not something that... And look, I'm sure you can find elements of it to quibble with today, but they're not something you have to get over to enjoy. He That's is, exactly right. He is coming from the, the I just, would argue, if you know, if not the correct position, the yes. same position we would be coming at it Well, there today. was still a little bit of the owner, the male ownership of the vagina type of thing. Right, but, know, that, but where, that's being sort of attacked where, in a way. Yes, and, and he knew that she was going through a tough time too. It wasn't just that some other guy has been in here, I can't yeah. get in here, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So, and... He had a bond with her too. That was yeah. that was something else too, and, and he really wanted to stick, stand up for her yeah. and do the right thing, which was good. Um, um, yeah, but you're right. There's nothing that you have to go, you know. Yeah, some of those things I have to explain to my wife beforehand. Like, yeah, you can't just appreciate the fact that they're all sexist pigs. You're like, oh no, it's actually they know that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's why the movie works. Yeah, so, you know. I also, I wish God, I wish Joe. Were, this is gotta think Joe would pull out fifty other examples, but I feel like you know Billy Wilder is the only person who effectively used Fred McMurray as a bad guy. Um, well, Double Indemnity, he was a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. that's Billy Wilder. Right, right, that's, that's true, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Another good Wilder film. Yeah. Man, how can you write those two movies? I, that's crazy. That's, yeah. And by the way, this is my, my uh, you know, I, I despise the auteur theory. Of course mm -hmm. I do, I'm a screenwriter. Um, but, you know, we reward the people who keep making the same movie. Yeah. And it's like Billy Wilder who could do Double Indemnity and then the apartment. Well, and he and did collaborate with I.L. Yeah. Diamond a lot. Yeah. But he doesn't, you know, he's not, you know, he doesn't get that top tier auteur exactly. respect because he did such diverse yeah. stuff, you know. It's, uh, and he was, he was really a craftsman at heart. Yeah. He wasn't, he didn't think of himself as this artistic type yeah. of thing. You know, he was just making movies. Yeah. You know, he was like, you punch in your card, ching, ching, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's the type of attitude he had about yeah. it, it seemed, you know. Uh so the other one in that category is The Sting. Oh, you know, The Apartment and The Sting are those two movies. It doesn't matter. I will stop whatever I'm doing yep. and I have to watch it. I'm yep. right in front of the TV. Redford and Newman, once again, at their highest star quality, yeah. their, their most blaring stars. You know, once again, you, you love both of those guys. They're, they're good you looking know? men. The script is unbelievable. No one has made a better movie than The Sting that is a movie like that yeah. since. No one. Yeah. You know, uh, George Roy Hill. Um, and once again, you know, from Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, which, you know, was great for other reasons. But The Sting, how do you make a polished like Sting movie? Better. How do you like make such a polished movie and it's so beloved and it's and it's still entertaining and all yeah. this stuff? Unbelievable supporting cast. Robert Shaw. And an anachronism that works. Yeah. The anachronism is Marvin Hamlish's soundtrack, oh, which he uses ragtime music for the 30s. Oh, for the 30s, it's yeah, no, you're right. It's completely the yes. wrong time period. Yep. 
But you don't go, wait, why is there ragtime? Why is he playing Scott Joplin? This well, is mostly because most of us are too stupid to know that. <laughs> right, but it, I know I am. But it's, ni- it's but not right. 1915. You're right. You know, yeah. It's the Depression. <laughs> Nobody was listening to Scott Joplin during the Depression. It doesn't make sense. What but, should they have But this anachronism yeah. works in a way that the 30s music maybe might have made it ordinary. Yeah. It's an amazing anachronism, you know? Yeah. Um, it's one of the things I really love about it is, is that is the Scott Joplin music. And it I'm really, sure I knew that. Really, I'm sure I forgot, but you're probably It really gone. gives it the character that it needs. And I think mm-hmm. Hamish at the time played around with different things, but nothing seemed to work like that. And he knew it, was, he knew it wasn't right. He knew it yeah. wasn't the right time frame, but it's like, what, you, what am I going to do? It works. Yeah. Dun, oh, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I hear those bars and I go, ah! <laughs> and I got to watch um, it. Uh, no, we're talking about like seeing prior before you knew you were going to be a comic, but yes. that's sort of working on you when, when I was a kid. I mean, remember when, when um, uh, you know, my dad and I would go to a movie and if it was sold out, he's got something next door and they mm-hmm. would let you in in the middle. Right. Because it would start over again five minutes later. And yeah, yeah, the yeah. sting, we walked into the sting about 40 minutes in. Yeah. And, you know, and you can pick up Ooh. what's going on. Oh, no, no, it's okay. Uh-huh. And you get to the end and then we watch the beginning. And I think that was one of oh, the yeah, first you times. Could stay yeah, it would start. Yeah, and it was one of the first times I ever noticed it was like, this stuff's constructed. Yes. As a child, I'm noticing yeah. that they're telling me That's how the right. movie's going to end. Yeah. They're laying it out. And if I were smarter, if I paid attention, yes. that ending wouldn't surprise me. They're playing completely fair. Yeah. And it's like, but watching all that stuff get laid out as a yeah. kid was kind of my first insight to like right. what goes on under the hood of the car. You know? Yes. And for me, interesting enough, um, one of my hobbies growing up was magic. I'm, I still do close-up oh, wow. magic yeah. and that type of thing. Remember the Magic Castle? Yeah. That type of, I love magic. And Newman is handling cards in there, you know, and the whole gambling. I love that whole thing, you know, where it's uh, that part of the con I just loved, you know, and and seeing that type of thing. So many little things in that movie, though. But, um, and like I said, the sporting cast. And by the way, what's his name? Uh, Robert Shaw. I mean, so good in it. Yeah. It's Lonergan. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's just so mad the whole time. So many classic things. This, This was a period of time when my dad used to take us to Universe Studios on a tour and they'd have pictures of the sting on the bus. And I would look at thinking that's what a movie is. And I, and I remember they took us behind the scenes of the sting and how they did, um, what's his name? Um, Albert Whitlock who did the special effects and that stuck in my head. I go, Oh, that wasn't real. So the Sting was one of those first movies that I got to go backstage on and think about and and start dreaming about being in movies. So interesting. So yeah. So it has that, has that thing for me. So Sting is up there. It's one of my all-time It's a magical film. Okay, so these this next doubleheader, this is one of my favorites, actually. I call these, I didn't know where to put these, so I stuck them together and thought, let me just come up with something. Because I had the first one with another one, and I thought, like, the first one could be something you're not supposed to watch, you uh-huh. know, in some ways. But I've decided to link these together. As, let's call it alternate histories. Okay. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> um, and the first one is one of my all-time favorites is The Life of Brian. <sighs> okay. And I believe... There are some people that will tell you that um, Holy Grail is their best film. I think nope. I think Holy Grail has some classic moments, yep. but The Life of Brian is their best film Absolutely. film Absolutely. because it has a story. Yes. Yes. You know, it's so subversive. Here I am, a young Catholic kid, watching this takedown of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Brian who grows up next to him, and the humor is so funny, mm-hmm. and it's political. All the stuff that all the stuff that I love, by the way, you know, satirical. It's silly. Yeah. It has all the elements. It holds up, 
you know, when you look Holy at... Holy Grail is sort of bumpy these days. When you Holy Grail doesn't quite hold up. It's a collection up. of skits. It is a collection of skits. And, uh, Some of the scenes yeah. are, you look at as, that's my favorite scene. Absolutely. More yeah. than it speaks to you today. It doesn't yeah. speak to you today, but it, it reminds you of that. But Life of Brian, interesting like enough, the politics movie. of Life of Brian are still relevant today. Yeah. When they argue about things, and say, I think I'm going to be a woman, you know, yeah. <laughs> a <God>. woman, <laughs> <You know? laughs> or is it? It's what done for us? Yeah. <laughs> well, other than the aqueduct, you know? <laughs> what are the roses? Or uh, my favorite is a crucifixion. Yes. Okay. Grab the cross. Uh, yeah. First cross on your left. Go to yeah. the left. Crucifixion. Yes. Uh, grab the cross. Uh, first thing you left. Crucifixion. No. What? No. Uh, Pilot reviewed my case and said I'm able to go free. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, you can go. I'm just pulling a leg. Crucifixion. Oh, uh, okay. Grab the cross. First one in your life. Crucifixion? Yes. yes. <laughs> it's like, what am I watching once again? So you know, good. so this alternate history yeah. of the Jesus story, you yeah. know, we have all seen the greatest story ever told and all this stuff. This is an alternate history. I just happening the, down the road. Is the, uh, do you have any more of that mud? <laughs> you know, well, don't bring in that mud. <laughs> I don't know. I've always, my moment, Terry Jones just left. I know. So, I just saw Eric Idle the so, other night. Oh, you know? wow. And I said, hey, I'm really sorry for it. He says, well, I'm still here. You know? <laughs> I, I, I love really the way those guys cope with that stuff. They were, I um, know, so funny. Shortly after Graham Chabon died, I saw them, at, they were at some yeah. live thing, maybe at Sundance, and right. they brought him out, supposedly on an urn. Yeah. And they were, uh, yes. Eddie Izzard was talking to yeah, them, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're sitting there with yeah. this thing in the air, they're going through like 20 minutes, and then Cleese just crosses his legs and accidentally kicks the urn with Graham Chabon's ashes all over the audience. <laughs> That's fantastic. <Yeah. laughs> but um, yeah. no, I, I, for me, it's like the key to existence, the key to everything. I've never identified harder yeah. with a character in a movie in the scene where Brian opens up the door and there's that yeah. throng out there and he's yes. naked. Yeah. And, so and he's like going, yeah, go away. Uh, yeah. And they're all like, we love you. And he goes, um, you don't need me. You're all individuals. Right. And they all go, yes, we're all individuals. And then one voice pipes up. I'm not. Yes. It's I'm so like, great. I, that's my guy. I love that guy. <laughs> oh, it's great. <laughs> You're all individuals. We're all individuals. You're all separate. We're all separate. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are there any women here? <laughs> they go to the stoning. Women weren't allowed at the stoning. <laughs> so the, the beards. Yeah. Are there any women here? Yeah. <laughs> Just the politics and everything. It's so it's subversive in all the best ways. So he's like, why do I mean, was you ban live in this was space. banned in England? Oh yeah. Time. Well, yeah, I got a yeah. lot of heat. I was actually right. living. I went to high school in England for yes. one year. It was the year that came out. Yes. And you can't believe yes. the shit they got. It was incredible. and they they could not get funding for George Harrison. George Harrison uh, guaranteed yes, to became a producer. Yes, that's I love right. that story. Yeah. yeah. Because he he ended up that became his whole thing it was like he would just yeah. produce he would like I want to see this movie so he'd write a check uh, I'll make some movies <laughs> <laughs> and how many great fucking films did he produce Time Bandits oh, yeah, yeah. a lot of stuff yeah it's uh, but but um no what is it because you live in this space I mean I mm -hmm. I go to comedies I go they're hilarious right. I tell jokes for yes. friends this but, is one of my most influential movies by the way for for me about to start my life doing this oh wow so absolutely why is it because we just did it like a bunch mm -hmm. of idiots everybody does it you bring mm -hmm. up python yeah and you always have to launch it to your favorite python bits yeah. it's like what is that funny but it's just like funny it's it's amazing it's just funny by the way i'm so proud of uh i can't take full credit my ex-wife and i i'll take dual credit but over christmas uh, we're hanging out and say, you guys want to watch a movie? And my kids say, 
Let's watch Holy Grail. I haven't seen that one. I'm like, I can't believe my kids Fantastic. are telling me uh, to put on Monty Python. Uh, I'm like, how awesome is this? You know, <laughs> <laughs> and they know all the bits from it. Oh, that's everything. Yeah. That's it's so it's just fun. It really yeah. is fun. Yeah, you know, the so argument sketch. I could do anything. It's so much fun. You know, yeah. uh, from their show. There is, if you're a psycho nerd um, like me, there's a, an amazing British Blu-ray box set that just came out where these absolute lunatics have um, done an incredible job of restoring the TV shows. Oh. You've never seen them look so good. You've never seen them sound so good. Oh. It's, it's phenomenal. It's cool. every single episode. Each one comes each, they're broken into seasons and they come with these huge thick books where they've yeah. just detailed every story behind every sure. skit. And it's, but I, it's cause you know, you, you saw them on TV when you're sure. and they always looked okay. Yeah. They were on PBS. They here, look, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. On PBS. They look phenomenal. Right. You know what I had back in the in the 90s in the big computer days, you know, when screensavers were a big deal, I had this Python screensaver. Uh, it was hilarious. Oh, wait, no, like, you please with the silly walks and that stuff. You, I, know. you could buy that, right? Yes, yes. absolutely. Yes. Yeah. God, yeah. Yeah, it was. It 40 was bucks great. at Radio Shack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or Egghead Software. Yeah, yeah. Egghead Software. <laughs> That's where I used to go. Man. Okay, so the other movie with alternate history that I love is a contemporary film. It's Inglorious Bastards. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Gloria's best, every frame of that movie is fantastic. You know, but to start that movie off with a scene we've seen a million times, but haven't quite seen it like this, you know, with what's his name's performance? Um, Just uh, left my brain. Brad Pitt. No, 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 no. in the beginning. Oh, um, oh, Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz. Sorry. I mean, that that. opening scene. I mean, I've never seen that kind of scene, you know, and I'm thinking, what am I in for as I'm watching that the whole time? Because, you know, when you're in the business stuff, you know, if you're a writer, as you do, you tend to anticipate sometimes. Sure. You yeah. Know? But even though I, I'm pretty good at jumping in and just being it, but we can't help but, you know, really in the back of us kind of having a sense of what's coming. Yeah. Like I've guessed lines many times too, yeah. where lines have been, boom, and they said exactly what I was thinking, you know, it's kind of interesting. But I had no idea what I was watching right now. That's the greatest feeling in the world. It was, um, and the way he used, now that film, um, what's interesting is Python, you know, Life of Brian is a satire of, you know, power and religion and all these things. And this is about war, but it's about how language, you know, was, you know, what made that movie interesting. It was the last war where language was the thing that divided people because after that, you could tell who's who, mm-hmm. you know, when it's just white people shooting each other. <laughs> you know, yeah. Europe. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was language. Yes. You know, and the movie is yeah. about that. Right. That's what it's about. Right. Because our next war is Korean. And yes. Off and and that whole scene is about language. I mean, yeah. he switches to, to English, you know, so, so they couldn't understand him down there. And when they did that, I'm like, whoa, what am I watching? You know, it, he, he, and he got me too, because when they showed the people and then he said, I'm going to switch back now. I'm like, oh, motherfucker. And this alternate history, of course, of telling of the hunting of the Nazis, you know, yeah. which which is which was kind of a real thing, but of course didn't end that way, you know. Um, was I I consider it Tarantino's best personally. Um, a lot of people might say Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is brilliant for a lot of other reasons, but Inglorious Bastards, it's just an amazing alternate history movie to me. Have you really where do you is. come down on the new one on Hollywood? It's okay. It's, it's okay. It, see, the problem is it's an alternate history. Right. And it's not as good as Inglorious Bastards. Oh, uh, okay. It's just not. You Here's know? my question. Have you seen it once? Yes. It says I, once upon a time. 
Yeah, well, yes. No, I'm, I'm, I, I Nancy, yes. I went off and saw it. We were like, oh, yeah, that was fun. I've, although I've never seen her laugh. My wife mm-hmm. does not like ultraviolet movies, but I've yes. never seen her laugh so hard mm-hmm. at the end. And then for some reason, the other night, uh, she was out and, and I do this, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. eh, smoke a little joint, throw something up on the right. big screen. And, and I, I had a screener of it and I was like, I, let me, for something about it was calling to me. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you the second time through. I'll watch it again. It, I, I fucking, loved it i enjoyed the movie but the yeah, thing the thing i enjoyed about it the most was seeing brad pitt and leonardo dicaprio yeah you know it's it's kind of in my in my apartment sting category more yeah. than but i don't think it has the the intelligence of inglorious bastards it's, it's way know? more laid back for sure yeah it's but it doesn't best. have the yeah. scene it doesn't have the scene intelligence of it you know mm-hmm. There's nothing going on for a long period of time in that which, movie. Which, yeah, which is a thing I think the second time through so, you're okay so there's, with. It's, yeah, but there's no tautness yep, to it. Absolutely. And great. the thing about the other one, every this is what I mean by every frame is perfect in Glorious right. Bastards. Even the just the scene of the war hero talking to to the girl, you know, and she realizes how many people he's shot yeah. and that people are that's a brilliant scene. The scene where he offers her more cream for more creme, you know, for that's a brilliant scene where Goebbels is, you know, there and he's kind of jealous of how much attention the, the heroes get. I mean, there's so many different touches to it, you yeah. know, and and you're you don't know how to feel during all of it too. You don't know what's going to happen. Once upon a time in Hollywood, I liked it, but I'm like, mm, okay, what's going on now? When is it going to? Well, I think, know? but that's what the thing yeah. that that you know, it's weird. I had the same like I love the Coen Brothers, Big yeah. Lebowski. The first time I saw it, hated it. Second time I saw it, I think it's like my third favorite Coen Brothers yeah. film. So you part warm of it, up. It takes you a while to warm well, up. Well, sometimes, right part of it is your anticipation. Because mm-hmm. you're watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood going, where's right. this going? And yeah. it really isn't. And then there's the last five minutes. You're like, yeah. okay. But once you're watching it, knowing sure. that the journey is now, the have, entire point. Are you a fan of Inglorious Bastards? I, I liked Inglorious Bastards. Okay, I, but, I love but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hollywood. Okay, yeah. so it's a, a difference in taste then of Maybe. what you like. Yeah, okay. but I, I would say That's see fair. it again. Because the first time I saw it, I'm completely in your camp. Yeah. And and the second time, all the things that bother me about it, I'm now prepared for. Right. It's a weird, kind of like with Lebowski, my big issue is like, there's no plot. When's right. the plot? It's going, it doesn't go anywhere. Sure. You're like, yeah, it's not supposed to. And the second time you see it, you're like, oh, fuck me. Yeah. That's and that does, that part doesn't bug me for those things. Yeah. But it still has to be about something. Yeah. Oh, I think it is. You know? I think it is finally. But, and but, I could have uh, missed that. But um, like, there are some things where they're being a little too leisurely for my taste. You yeah. Know? And I'm like, mm, okay. Um, I but, guess that was, first time I'm like tapping my watch. The second time I'm going, make it last. Now like, I'm like five hour version. Pulp Fiction <laughs> is great, but that diner scene is too long. Uh-huh. The one where they're, where they're dancing and all that stuff. Oh yeah. It's yep. too long. Even though the movie's great, you could still cut that scene. <laughs> you know, you can't, and it's still yeah. the same movie. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, that's what I mean. There was nothing happening in there that warranted it being right. that long. It was right. just a little bit of indulgence. That's my point of view. Um, okay. So these next two are... Movies about the movies <laughs> in some ways. And they're my, they're both of them just mean something to me. And I've always wanted to do my version of this, you know. And the first one involves one of my favorites of all time, Buster Keaton, and it's Sherlock Jr. Oh, yeah. And the fact that he jumps onto the screen yeah. and does this sequence, I was like, once again, being into magic and all that, this is movie magic to me. Sherlock Jr. Isn't that the dream, too? It's fantastic. It's just, yeah. He takes this fantasy and he lives it in. This is Keaton, to me, I think Sherlock Jr. has to be spoken the same breath as as um, the general, Steamboat sure. Bill and yeah. all that, for its inventiveness and and just 
Keaton just at his best. You know, he has some stunts in there that I still don't know how he did it. This one where he jumps in, in, in this window and he's instantly in this costume of a woman or something. You know, it's crazy, you know. Uh, and it's just his best gags. But the magical part of that is the projectionist part where he leaves mm -hmm. his body and goes into the screen. The cousin to that is the Purple Rose of Cairo. Purple Rose of Cairo. Of course, uh, in the 1980s. Yes. Woody Allen Which movie, takes that without the, Woody Allen, yep. takes that movie to the next level. Yeah. You know, Mia Farrow, so great in this movie with Jeff Daniels, who I think was Michael Keaton at first. I think he was cast in this movie at first. Oh, really? Okay. I think so. I could huh. be wrong with that. That was I like Jeff Daniels' was. big break, I think, wasn't it? I feel like um, that was... It's possible. It's possible. But uh, such a charming movie, yeah. you know, different use of the premise. But yep. once again, you know, then this, if you guys haven't seen it, the actors, one of the actors leaves the screen in this and the other actors refuse to go on because they they can't yeah. believe it. And the audience is what? <laughs> and this pissed. woman who goes to this movie every day because she's lonely. It's the thirties. It's the depression. She ends up falling in love with him. But then the actor who actually plays that part, she meets too the real yeah. guy and she falls in love with him too. So it's this interesting love story. Woody Allen really took that to the next level. Yeah. And it's really a magical movie that's about movies, you know. Which yeah, it's one of my favorite of his. Yeah, it's, it really is. That yeah. and Radio Days. Radio Days I don't have on my list here, but Radio Days is is up there too yeah. in terms of that magical type of of feeling for that time. Well, the thing with Radio Days is it, it, it doesn't, I have this, like, you watch it and it takes you back to a time and place that you had nothing to do with. But yep. it feels like you're like, oh, it's my family. Yeah. Like, my family's nothing like that. And my world really good jokes in it. Yeah. Yep. Some really classic yeah. jokes in it. Yeah. Um, okay. I got two more, two more double headers. You ready? Awesome. And the last two double headers, the last two double headers both have my, arguably my top two films. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and the first one is The Graduate, which is my, all-time best film, favorite film is The Graduate. I don't know what it is. There's something about the story of isolation and loneliness that he's going through that I connected to as well, which mm -hmm. a lot of people did at the time. Mike Nichols' vision for that still, I can't get over, you know, just the visual part of it. Yes, I fell in love with Mrs. Robinson too. Once again, I'm in an illicit romance here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the story of my life. <laughs> but I can't get enough of that. You know, here I am. I want him to end up with Mrs. Robinson, <laughs> but she's so damaged and everything. You know, and and the power of that film with all of that with Justin Hoffman and just a fantastic performance. You know, Catherine Ross, of course, so beautiful. Saying, so, yeah, he's got the dumpy daughter, right? <laughs> yes. The music makes yeah. that movie what it is. It really mm. does. I cannot think of that movie without going and thinking of that. And Sound of Silence makes that whole sequence more than what it is. You've turned the sound down. You go, oh, okay. It's interesting. And it's funny because not all great movies are like that. Uh, many great movies turn the sound down. You still go, ooh, what's yeah. going on there? <laughs> you know? This is when you turn the sound down. You go, oh, okay. Oh, He's just walking around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but did it? Because here, it, it's funny you say it's it's I, you know easily one of my favorites as well. But I, I every time I go back to it, there's this moment of oh shit, this is even better than I remember. It but, is what it is. You, better. you know, you talk about the sting. I know I love the sting. The sting is all just yeah. it's there. It's bright candy. It's a lovely. Sure. But but the, the, what is it about the story? Terrific. Everything about it's terrific. Yeah. But why is it so? It's a transition movie. Um, it's a movie about something people hadn't really dramatized. You know, it was taking the feeling that people had experienced with Catcher in the Rye in the novel form, yeah, okay. you know, and, 
you know, this type of anti-hero type of thing. And the movie was supposed to be about blonde people in Los Angeles, yeah, you know, yeah, and, white, and, and really Caucasian. Right? Yeah, and yeah. Nichols, you know, said, mm, I think it's more about transplanted Jews, you know. <laughs> and because he's fucking, he was brilliant at such a young age, yeah. you know, he was able to imagine this a different way and kind of fought for Dustin Hoffman, I think, when, I think Redford was someone they really wanted. Yeah, I think, I think Beatty and yeah. those type of people yeah. they were looking at would have been a completely Ryan different type of movie. Yeah. But um, I think it speaks to his, a lot of it is Dustin Hoffman too, by the way. And he has a, a, there's something about him where he just wants something, even though he doesn't know what it is. And we've all experienced that, mm -hmm. you know, and he goes down a dark road, which I think we've experienced too, you know, and you know, there's no, it's not clean. The movie is not clean at all. Even the end is, is messy. Yeah. So there's no, there's no clean resolution in this either, you know, but he's trying, you know, he's, he's, he's doing that, you know, yeah. but the music, the whole sequence, the brilliant sequence coming out of the pool and the mm -hmm. hotel, it's the music that unites that, you know, yeah. Yeah. and really ties it together and lifts it to that level that makes it a special film, you know, yeah. that makes it indelible. But there's so many parts of it. And we just lost uh, Buck Henry, yeah. who was fantastic as the writer of the film and in the film, Giant. of course, too. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's, you know, the intelligence behind that. Yeah. You know, we know where that comes from. You know? Yeah. Um, so the double feature of this might surprise some people because it's not as, as uh, it's not so much that type of movie, but it, but it is a movie where music to me made it more than what it is is coolie high oh wow sure now, coolie high is a movie it was a lot of people called it the black american graffiti <laughs> at the time but it was more than that for me because for me my parents were from chicago and it took place in chicago and cabrini bring projects they didn't grow up in the projects though and it was this period of time where music has such a just this great meaning for people in their lives you know and that type of stuff and to see black people on screen for me I, I still have so much affection for Kuli High. You can see my body language yeah. as I'm talking about. Yeah. I love seeing black people on screen, not just in one role, but in this way of being kids and doing that. Lawrence Hilton Jacobs in a fantastic role, you know, as coaches, as basketball player. Glenn Turman, best thing I've ever seen. Every time I see Glenn Turman, all I'm thinking about is Kuli High. Right. And I know he's done all these other things, but I just want to tell him how much I love him. You know, the character Preach was he wanted to be a writer. Mm -hmm. You know, he had the glasses and everything. What happens to me later? I watched this one of my most adorable movies. And you're wearing glasses. Yes. And the show What's Happening <laughs> yeah. was kind of modeled yeah, was that, after. Yep. Kind of the way American or uh, uh, Happy Days Happy Days was sort yes. of modeled after American movies. Exactly. And I think they wanted to, Cooley High had a lot of seriousness in it yeah. too. You know, in fact, the ending was very sad. It wasn't like a happy ending type of movie where, you know, uh, American Creed was a little more melancholy in its, yeah. in its ending, you know. Which, by the way, is a fantastic movie. It it would be on my list, but I could have put those two I together. Those two together. But it That'd seemed be... a little obvious to put. It. I think right. it hurts Cooley High by being put together American Graffiti. Yeah. You know? But putting it together with The Graduate makes it different because yep. the music of that period and some of it was a bit anachronistic because they used some stuff out of the time. But for the most part, that's the music. Mm -hmm. First music that I heard. Mm -hmm. First music I heard, Josh. <laughs> yeah. And. Uh, you know, it just means so much to me. I God, and I fell in love with the girl that Preach was trying to, you know, get with to. I was a teenager, first thinking about these things. Right. You know, loved everything about Cooley. My brother and I loved that movie when it came out. You know, it's hard to find now, though. 
But um, I think there's a yeah, I think there's a DVD of it, not a, not a Blu-ray. The um, no, that was one of my first. You know, I grew up in a weird neighborhood. It was actually in West Philly. That was, that yeah. was very integrated. And I remember, you know, my dad told me everything. I saw it and was like, oh, that's great. And it mm-hmm. kind of reminds me a bit of where I live and all the rest of that. But it was the first time I had seen like the black kids I knew yeah. seeing a movie where they have seen themselves right. on screen. Yeah. And there was this thing where I was like, oh, this, this is not for me. Yeah. And, in, a, in, a, in an amazing where I, and it started making me think that like, oh, pretty much everything is for me. And this is what I would be like if every now and then they actually, you know. That, that, I love that you said that because <clears throat> I don't think that when I see American Graffiti, but white people think that when they see Cooley High. Well, here's but a, I don't think that's not for me. Uh-huh. I just go, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yes. Well, I, I my my big gripe is, is a few years right. later when Days and Confused came out, which is part of a lovely film. I can't <laughs> connect to Days and Confused on any level. Right. We didn't have cars. We didn't have a football sure, team. Sure. I'm like, it's all these. Right. And everybody I know will tell you, like, oh man, that's what like growing up in the '70s sure. was like. Right. I'm right. like, nah. and then I see Crooklyn. And like that actually looks like my neighborhood. Right. They're listening to all the stuff. We listen, they're playing rock and soccer sure. robots. I can Absolutely. identify with almost everything in that movie. Right. But no one will ever say about Crooklyn. That's what growing up in the 70s was like. Right. Even yeah. though I'm like, I would argue if, you know, if the world revolves around me, it was. Yeah. And American <laughs> Graffiti is more middle class. Yeah. You know, where um, Cooley High is more, you know, working class, yeah. lower class, that type of thing. But um, it, was just, it was really interesting to to start to recognize that. You know, I'm part of a culture that dominates everything. Right. And everything is made for me. Right. And like, oh, wow. And if every now and then we dole stuff out to people, they actually enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> dole stuff out. But you know what's going on? Here, here, you, you guys yeah, go. Take you, that you can thing. have one of these. There you go. Yeah, yeah. just don't make too much noise. Yeah. You know, um, I remember once, you know, I'm seeing, uh, uh, what was the um, uh, Crouchy Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Because mm-hmm. I'd seen a million of those movies that sure. it's part of that. You know, it's a great film. Yeah. But I remember kind of sitting there going, oh, I'm not sure it's quite. And I look behind me and there was this like, 12 year old Asian girl watching mm-hmm. Michelle Yo and just her yeah. eyes are just popping out of her head. And I'm like, right. oh, fuck. I've seen 50 million yeah. versions of myself kicking ass and taking names on screen. Yeah. And I'm not sure she had it. Richard Pryor had a great bit um, about how much he hated Jerry West, even though he loved him, you know, but he hated the fact that he loved him so much because he was this white guy who was good at basketball. Uh-huh. So he, he did not <laughs> like liking him. He hated that. <laughs> You know, it was really funny. It was one of his early routines. Too. Um, all right. So my last, my last doubleheader. You ready? Yeah. Okay. So the first one is, I don't know how many people have seen this. It's very unusual. But these two movies, um, so the way that Sherlock Jr. and Pepper Kyra were about movies. Right. You know, this is about film itself. These two. Okay. And in some cases, the film stock itself, you know, which is kind of interesting. Okay. Every one of these I'm trying to guess. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Okay. The first one is a contemporary uh, film. Not contemporary, but... Um, Documentary? Yes. And it's uh, Bill Morrison's film, Dawson City, Frozen Time. Yes. 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 So you're familiar yes. with this. Oh, yeah. It's fascinating. It's an amazing so, film. So for those of you that don't know this, you have to see this movie. What it is, is there is this film that was made about this uh, city, Dawson City, and it was lo- it was like buried in the ground or something like that. Yeah, it was know? a town, what is it, in Alaska? I think it's in Alaska. And it was the end of the line for Yes, all the it was the end of the movies. line. So what would happen is movies would be distributed all around the country. And so a movie, like whenever you see old movies where it looks kind of like it's a bad thing or whatever, it's because it went through the projector so many times. Right. And by the time it would get to Alaska, they'd get the worst version of yeah. it. But it was also they never would send it back. Right. You know, it was ruined at that point. Like, exactly. And, you know, and they would not re-release them. They didn't care anyway. Done. We made our money. Yes. And then they could show it whenever. And 
for whatever reason, these movies were stored somewhere and they were just forgotten. Yeah. You know, and the bottom of a lake. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And the story about this is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And what Bill Morrison's genius is. Okay. So the condition of these films, films back then were done on what's called a silver nitrate stock and they deteriorated very rapidly or they could burn very quickly and that type of thing. They had to be preserved carefully. Now, these were actually preserved because they were underground, but they still had a certain amount of deterioration because this film was done in the 20s. This is what we're talking about, the period of time. It's the 1920s. And for some of this, there's a couple of films in this area, but Dawson City, I believe, is maybe the teens and 20s, I believe. Well, yeah, when when they were getting the I believe so, when, yeah. when they first shot it, Yeah. right? So they've been in the ground for almost 100 years or whatever, yeah. or whatever it was when they first unearthed this for a long time. So Bill Morrison puts this together and the whole point of the film is you're seeing damaged film. Yeah, very damaged. Yes, but it turns it into art. Yeah. And it's fascinating. It creates a whole different level of reality and feeling because you're watching something that you realize has aged. And it has this, the film stock itself has a story to tell. Yeah. It has its own story to tell. And so you're looking at the people and you're looking at the film stock itself. And it's fascinating the feeling that it gives you, you know, you're going, wow. It's, and there are some things that are, it's very hard to see something. And then all of a sudden an image comes up that is crystal clear and you see people doing whatever they're doing. And then it goes back into something else. And there's like, where it looks like the film, you know, how it gets real blurry or it looks like where a film catches on fire, like that look that it has when it does that type of thing, you know? And, um, and the movie is an experience. Yeah. It's incredible. It's an experience. If you seek it out guys, Bill Morrison's Dawson city, frozen time, you will be happy. If you like, if you have, I'm I'm so happy that you've seen it. Oh yeah. yeah, No, there's a great Blu-ray of it. The, um, what's interesting to me too, is that they are the films you know, they're not curated. They're just the movies that made it Dawson Creek in whatever, 1920 That's or Dawson exactly Creek, right. Dawson City. Right, Dawson, Dawson City. Creek. Yeah, Dawson Creek is the show. Yeah. Now, the other one that's is Dawson of, Creek. That's a bunch yes. of porno VHSs <laughs> yeah. that uh, James Vanderbeek. Yeah. It's, um, it's been preserved, Dawson Creek. <laughs> all his original Pee Wee's playhouses. Yeah. Uh, no, but they're, they're, so they're not like, you're not seeing scenes from, you know, Buster Keaton films. You're seeing exactly. scenes. From movies that have been utterly exactly forgotten, right. starring completely. people who have been completely completely. Forgotten. So right. they're just like ghosts from yes. this era that that you. That's have a great known. way to put it. Yeah, it's a, it's an awesome way to put it. Yeah, as well as documentary footage. Yeah, of the town and itself. Great. And by the way, just a documentary about the town. Yes, it's is terrific. And then you bring in this other. Yeah, no, Ugh, it works oh, on so great. many levels. Yeah, so I'm many. now I'm real. I'm like, hmm. and this is what I mean by. Contemporary artists still influence me and still touch yeah. me in ways where I go, wow, you yeah. know, it makes me want to do something, you know, or, or whatever. I don't know what, but I just, cause I go, I can't believe somebody thought of that. You yeah. Know? Well, I can't, it's, it's, um, yeah, now I'm sitting here like, I can't, so the other, I'm trying, don't tell me yet, but I'm like, what the hell would that be? It's also about film as opposed to, yeah. what's another, I, I'm completely, uh-uh, uh-uh. I got no idea. All right, it's probably if the graduate is first, this movie's probably second. Okay. Okay. And it is Cinema Paradiso. Oh, uh, oh shit. Right. Okay, yes. And God, of course, the end of the with the real and the, Cinema Paradiso yeah. is a magical film. Yeah, I have not beautiful. seen it. Um it is everything about it transports you. And it's about film. Yeah. And it's about film itself as yeah. well as the magic of film. It's yeah. both. 
you know, and this little boy whose dream is to be the projectionist, like his hero, who is the projectionist right now. That's all he wants to do. He's transported by these films. It takes place in in Italy. Um, And the movie is supposed to take place during World War II, I believe, is when the kid is real little. And Toto, the little kid, is fantastic. And by the way, do not, if you have not seen this movie, do not rent the dub version. Slap on your hand. I'll slap you in your face. Don't do it. Get the original Italian uh-huh. and the subtitles because to hear his voice, especially the little kid, Alfredo. <laughs> Toto, no. Yes. Toto, no. He's always there. And the, the relationship between the guy and the kid is so fantastic. But it's about film. Yes. And the punch at the end of this movie when you know, this person has been on this journey. Of course, it has things in it about love that you can't have and all those great things that are in good films, whatever. But the punch, you do not see coming. You just don't see it. And it just knocks, I cried like a baby watching that, you know. And for those of you that have seen it, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying it because if you haven't seen it, I really don't want to spoil it. That's true, yeah, and if you you see it, you also see it in context. You know what I'm talking about, yeah, Yeah, it's in context. But it's beautiful to think of that ending I don't know if that person, if that was their experience or whatever it is, but it's one of the most beautiful endings of a film, yeah. Josh, that I think I've ever seen. Yeah. And it instantly became one of my favorites. I used to talk about it all the time with my friends. I still talk about it to this day. I saw a revival of it like a year ago somewhere. It's you know, beautiful. it's just, it's just magic. There is, there is um, uh, a movie I would like to, you may know of, it's impossible to get legitimately, and I'll tell our listeners, go go find it wherever you can. Mm-hmm. Do you know, ladies and gentlemen, Final Cut? Mm-mm. Or maybe it's called Final Cut, ladies and gentlemen. It is, I'm going to get sure. every detail wrong. I believe it's a, okay. hung, a Hungarian director. <laughs> it's, it's, a, uh-huh. it's a, I believe, Eastern European director. Uh-huh. Um, loses the financing, and this is the true story behind it, uh, loses the financing for his movie like right before it's supposed okay. to go, which if you've been there is oh, horrible, yeah. a debilitating place. And he locks himself in an editing room mm-hmm. and he takes all these movies and he starts cutting together a film mm-hmm. and he uses clips. And the reason you can't get it commercially is he uses clips from hundreds of movies and even a few TV shows. Mm. And he decided he wanted to tell a story, kind of universal story using all these pieces mm-hmm. of movies. And he realized there's basically two stories. There's Stranger comes to town and there's right. boy meets girl. So he does boy meets girl. Right. <laughs> and it is just That's scene fantastic. after shot after scene after shot right. from a, most of the movies sure. you know, but even if you don't, right. and it tells the story of a boy it's and a classic girl meeting. Story, yeah. But every shot is from a different film, from yeah. a different era. And you sit there and it works. Wow. And it carries you through this narrative. Wow. And it's, it's like, I've seen it a bunch of times. Every time I see it, I'm like, I'm both like, just demolished by its brilliance. Yeah. And then there's this, also this little thing of like, oh, fuck, man. Oh, we, we just, this is all, we just tell the same stu- stupid fucking stories over right. and over again. We got to come so up with a funny. third one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's an amazing film. Oh, wow. I and, have to seek it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it, it's out there. You can find it. And, but, um, worth checking out. But uh, is that was that your last? That's it. That's my last. Holy letter. shit, Larry! That that was a, an epic journey. Is that man. fun. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, Don is yes. I enjoyed was, putting that, that together because I didn't know how to talk about it. I thought I don't know. I I don't know if I like I said. Yeah, there's maybe three or four movies I could talk about in detail, maybe. Yeah. But I forget so many things. You yeah. Know? 
but I'd rather talk about why it means something to me. Yeah, well, that's that's why we're here. Yeah, man. exactly. That's, that's and, the and, point. You know, there's others that I couldn't fit in or whatever, but this is most of it. You know, no, but that that is really like the core of what we're trying to do. I mean, I've, yeah. I've been a fan of yours forever. Oh, thanks. There's aspects of that, obviously, where I do know you. There's aspects yeah. where I know this person you project, who's obviously. Sure. Right. But but that was such an amazing insight into yeah. how you think about things and your process. Well, the things that influence me, I still take to this day. Like it, I take cues from it. You like. Like I take cues from Groucho all the time. Yeah. You know, well. <laughs> when I was doing uh, Insecure, you know, uh, when thinking about Issa, you know, I thought about it was Buster Keaton, believe it or not. She has a stillness that just works that you just don't want to mess with too much. You know, you just want to let her, you want to paint stuff on her more than you want her to do. Oh, stuff yeah. Because that was, you know, yeah, Buster. Because she's that. so expressive with the simplest things, right. you know, I mean, I think about this stuff all the time. I think about Python, all of that stuff, you know, graduate, all the movies I talk about, they're swirling my head at some point. It comes out. And I, I go, mean, do oh. you feel like when you're doing, I do this all the time. And then, it, you know, I, I think the trick is you're realize you're at least competent when you get away with it is like, you're stealing stuff, turning it into something else and throwing it out there. And then no one knows you stole it. Well, it's not, <clears throat> it's not that for me, for me, it's, it's kind of what it inspires inspires me to want to do okay yeah it's more what it does for me um i'm trying to think if there's an example i think the mm, maybe well even the bernie mac show it's groucho talking to the camera yeah. you know yep. <laughs> you know um i have to stay here you folks can go home you don't have to <laughs> well, no, that's what I'm it's like you say that and i'm like yeah. oh i can see that line but you're right. watching it and you don't go oh yeah it's it's yeah no i know? don't think that it's just more inside yeah. of there where yeah. i just like i just like the fact that groucho talks to me so yep. i like bernie mac talking to me you know? <laughs> exactly it's like exactly. it's it's pretty much that simple really yeah. you know so yeah so it's standing on the shoulders of all those things and you just intuit it but uh but i haven't done the thing where it's like yeah i'm i'm taking this sort of thing and trying to use it unless i did it for satirical reasons right you know and that, of course, you do all the time. But I'm talking more about sort of like as you're doing something, it it reminds you of something, something kind of what you were just talking about, yeah. as opposed to yeah, not just lifting a scene and hoping no one will right. No, you. no, but I know what you mean. But, yeah. Where you, I think when you're starting out, you do a lot of that stuff too, like especially yeah. in stand up where you're trying to be somebody, and then you find your own voice, you know. And sometimes in writing, um, well, and the fun thing too is everything is. Uh, I think I mentioned, you know, when I first started out, I, 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 I God help me, I, I wrote some right. comedies and I was like, oh, that's not for me. <laughs> but I stole a scene from The Love Bug where oh. a guy is standing on the street and he sees two headlights come towards him and he ducks uh -huh. and the headlights go around him. I thought, no, 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 this is a 30 year old movie or whatever it was right. at the time. But I always felt guilty about it. Yes. Cut two years later, I'm watching a Buster Keaton film. Yes. Exact same fucking gag. Okay, now that you're thinking, <laughs> I did something that I, that subconsciously I didn't know what I was doing. And then I realized later, uh -huh. I actually took it from something. And I'll tell you what, we were doing the Bernie Mac show and there was something that happened. I, I can't remember if it was a kid kidnapped or someone's house was broken into. And they were watching the news. They were watching it as a family, you know, and they were kind of, just watching and the, I just wanted them to watch it, you know, and just get the effect of seeing this and how it made them feel a little closer together. And I realized, fuck, Larry, that was radio days. Ah, you know, Woody Allen yeah. wrote that when the girl fell down the well, you yep. know, and I, I didn't know subconsciously that I wrote the same type of scene. Yeah. You know, um, until after. And then I realized like, 
almost like a year later, I go, oh, fuck. Did you have anything? Because I remember years ago seeing something and realizing like, oh my God, I stole directly from yeah. this. But I just, it was so completely unconscious of yeah. having done it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. It, was, it was so ingrained in my subconscious. Yeah. I didn't know that it was the same, basically the same scene. Yeah. Of course, it's a lot different. Yeah, no, but you, you have to tell people that you stole. <laughs> yes, no one would have known. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. no one would have known. But if what I told it? them, they would go, oh yeah, right. I guess so. You know, they would see the difference or where it was inspired or that type of thing. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, yeah, it's just like a, the the feeling that I want that something had that I want this scene to have, you know, or right. that type of thing yeah. or, or, or this particular thing that I'm writing. I'll, I'll do that kind of thing all the time. You know, yeah. um, my brain is just racing right now. And there are some things that I just don't know, like clockwork orange. It's just in there, but I've never done it. Yeah. I've never done <laughs> What would you do with never. it? <laughs> I've never done anything with it. I don't, I, I'm not proud that it's stuck in there, but it is. Nothing I can do about it. Thank you, Stanley Kubrick. Well, yeah, we'll call the police when you do. Actually. Yes, exactly. Ultra, ultra violence, little brother. Yes. Uh, well, thank you again so very Next much. Next time we'll have lamb chops of toast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been absolutely thanks great. man it's been great I and uh, it. hey good, good luck with that little podcast here like, we will crush you like a man <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks man. man our show was recorded in beautiful downtown Burbank the official podcast of trailersfromhell.com the best damn movie website there is our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made Me. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.